This podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest, and safest way to bet on all things sports. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Baseball opening day right around the corner, Bet Online has the latest news, scores, and odds to help you win big. The best part? You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to revive your literal free money. Plus, signing up is a great way to support the podcast you're listening to in your ears right now. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE. All one word when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Warriors, warriors, come out to play. Show me you want to be here. Show me you want to win. Show me you want to, you have that killer instinct. I do look at myself as being one of the most dominant fighters in MMA history. He didn't know it was going to be a buffet, though. He thought it was going to be a three-piece. Now you're getting the whole MGM Grand Buffet to the face, man. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the RJ Ringside Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Fang, joined along with Larry Mir and Adam Hill. And we are going to break down all things happening here in Vegas this coming week with UFC 248. We also have a big announcement to make in regards to the flyweight division. Just kidding. It's not a big announcement. But uh, I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, we do have some things to talk about in regards to that flyweight division and whether or not it will still exist after this weekend. Check out RJ Ringside on ReviewJournal.com slash podcast. And make sure while you're there to check out some of our other shows. We have you covered on Hockey with Golden Edge. We have you covered on Football with Vegas Nation. So if you're a sports fan, this is where you want to be. This episode brought to you by BetOnline.ag. All right, let's get into it because uh, we have a lot of stuff coming up here in Las Vegas. And particularly, there's one event that we're going to have to ban Adam Hill from. That being the Habib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson press conference happening here in Las Vegas on Friday, March 6th, just ahead of the UFC 248 ceremonial weigh-ins. Adam, um, we're not going to allow you anywhere near that. Don't don't even say the name of the fighters. <laughs> I don't even know if I should talk about it. I don't even know if I should talk about it without saying their names. No, not at all. I don't even think I should. I think we should we could say both, T, we T and K? All... T versus K? <laughs> no, I don't even think we can go that far. We're just going to have to call it the fight, or I don't know. I don't, I don't have anything light, better than that. The lightweight fight? <laughs> the lightweight fight? The yeah. fight. You know which one we're talking about. Wink, wink. But yeah, no, that's going to be a, a fun press conference. And Adam, I agree with you saying that um, they should be wrapped up. I, I think they should just be either in a padded room wrapped up in bubble wrap. And that's even like how everything should go leading up during fight week. Just wrapped up everything from, you know, ankles to their foreheads, bubble wrap. That'd be the best way to go for this. Yeah, we should tell people. I mean, this everybody that follows UFC knows this is the most jinxed fight that has ever, you know, been on the books. It's been scheduled four times. It's been canceled all four times. We had a rule in the past that we weren't even allowed to mention their names together because we didn't want to jinx the fight. And then the one time we said, okay, the fight is one day away. We finally have to talk about this. We can finally discuss it. There's no jinxing it. It's going to happen. And then it was called off the day before the fight. Like, we, you can't get this fight right. You, you jinx it every time. We jinx it every time. Everyone does. We'll see if it actually happens. If it does, I guess we can talk about it the day that they're actually walking into the cage. So don't expect any lead-up conversations on the fight any further than what we've already done a day, because we've already said enough. Uh, speaking of fights that didn't really come together, uh, we have a title fight happening this Saturday between Joseph Benavides and uh, Davis and Figueroa that is not going to 
transpire as expected, that being that Figueredo missed weight. He came in heavy. They're not going to reweigh in. So he is not eligible to fly, fight for the flyweight title. Joseph Benavides is eligible for the title. But this has been a division, Adam, that I think a lot of people have wondered whether or not it would still thrive, whether or not it would even still exist in this year. Joseph Benavides obviously was one of the big proponents to keep this fight around, to keep the flyweight division around, to keep pushing forward for this whole division. He's kind of been the poster boy for the flyweight division and keeping it alive. What happens here if Joseph Benavides loses, guys? I mean, does this mean the end of the flyweight division if, if for some reason Benavides loses this fight at him? Yeah, it very well could be. And you're right. I mean, Joseph Benavides has been, uh, you know, the the one out there crying. And not, crying's not the right word. That's not what you want to, what I meant to say. He's been the one like screaming from the rooftops about, hey, this division is worth it. Like there are still competitive fights. There's good fighters. There's stars that can come around. Like this fight, this division needs to continue to be built. And now he gets his chance to fight for the vacant title, and his opponent misses winning. The division. It's ever since the rumors of its demise began, has been its own worst enemy. Uh, it's you know, Henry Cejudo wins the belt from longtime champion Demetrius Johnson, who was so dominant but never overly marketable. Cejudo gets it; he is marketable, and he goes to the new division. He goes up to 135, so he leaves the title behind. So the, a guy that could have maybe saved the division and been that new star leaves. Joseph Benavides, who's been a perennial contender who's never been the champion, is kind of around to to bang the drum for the division. And then all of a sudden his opponent for the vacant title missed his weight. So if Figueredo wins and doesn't, he doesn't get the belt, so all of a sudden you've still got a vacant title at 125. So all of these people, all the naysayers, and, you know, this division doesn't work, it's not marketable, nobody wants to watch little guys fight. All of those, you know, naysayers that are out there will now be vindicated once again by having a, you know, a chaotic division with no champion where somebody wins and doesn't get the belt. It's just, it's a, it's a mess for that division, and they just can't get out of their own way. Do your circumstances beyond their control in a large part, but in this one, it's, you know, a guy missing weight for a title fight that, you know, had some excitement behind it. So this is just uh, a terrible day for the division. We'll see how things transpire. This event happening tomorrow on Pacific Time, 5 p.m. for the main card start at the Chartway Arena. You can watch it all on ESPN+. We'll see how everything goes down from Norfolk, Virginia, and we'll be back to recap that as well. But really quickly here, I want to take a look at UFC 248 because we are going to be down there all week. There are a ton of events happening. Uh, we're going to have some exclusives coming at you after um, we get started here in the week with Israel Adesanya. We're going to be able to speak with you on a young check ahead of the fight. So we're really looking forward to bringing you all that content. Again, you can keep everything, uh, keep up with everything on ReviewJournal.com and on the MMA tab there for this sport and all the upcoming news from it. But um, when we have the two title fights on this card, um, it's been kind of a fun lead up with Adesanya and Romero. In some cases already, Adesanya's had to apologize because he's one of these characters who has no filter whatsoever. Ever. And he made a very poor, um, a joke in poor taste about 9-11 leading up to this that he had to retract and pull back his, you know, candor and apologize for, which I think was rightfully so. There's just certain things that you really shouldn't um, touch on and joke about. And uh, I mean, but as we come into this press conference kind of situation, media days will happen. Um 
and and then seeing these two again, I'm kind of more looking forward to the rematch and the breakdancing battle than anything. Yeah, did you see fight. that, Larry? Yeah, forget the fight. Let's yeah. get a dance off. <laughs> what did you think about the the early lead up so far, the press conference that they had in New Zealand and what you've seen between Romero and Adesanya, Larry? Well, I mean, okay, so for the lead up, there's always going to be a uh, language barrier with Joel Romero and any of his <laughs> opponents. So you're really not going to get a lot of interesting stuff out of uh, Romero unless you, you understand Spanish. Um, this fight is super exciting for me. Um, being that I'm 40 years old, 40 years old and Cuban, I'm definitely going with the 40 year old Cuban on this one. But, uh, you know, this fight is exciting because you, on one hand you have such an, um, a tactical and, and such a really good, um, striker in Adesanya, you know, technical striking, just accurate, fast. He throws kicks from different angles. Um, and then you have the power of Yoel Romero. You know, so that makes to me an interesting fight, and it's going to be interesting to see what Romero does. I I don't think he'll win a battle trying to to, to stand up and fight on the outside with um, Adesanya. I think that he's going to have to go in and either press him up against the cage or get him down to the ground. Um, but really excited for this fight, and uh, yeah, going for the forty year old Cuban. Adam, do you think that Adesanya will retain his undefeated record come uh, March seventh or not? I and mean, what do you make of this pairing? Yeah, I think it's it's a tough it's a tough matchup for him. I, I think stylistically, so I I haven't completely settled on my pick for the fight yet. I, I think what Adesanya does is uh, is so brilliant with his striking and the way that he sets up everything and keeps guys off balance. And uh, I just think you know Romero certainly has the tools to to combat combat that and to you know put Adesanya in difficult spots that he hasn't faced before. Everybody has has just said, well. You know, you take him down, you put him on the ground. That's where he struggles, and that's true. But who's able to do that? And it's, it's been difficult. Uh, Adesanya, certainly we would expect, has the cardio edge, especially over five rounds, uh, because as Larry said, Larry comparing himself to a, you know, world-class elite-level fighter. Uh, at 40 years old. I mean, kind of close. 40-year-old Cuban. Uh, how, well, how's your cardio at 40, Larry? Uh, actually, very good. I actually start, started going to a, I don't know if I should say the name of the place, but it's one of those uh, workout places where you work out for an hour and like you got the guy yelling at you and you got your results on the uh, the monitor. So my cardio as a 40-year-old is getting, it's, it's pretty good. It's not bad. I do like 10-yard wind sprints with my son every day and there does like, I maybe do like three reps of those and I'm gassed. So I I, still, I'm, I'm not really that good with my cardio. I can yet. still spar uh, <laughs> two five-minute rounds and then the third five-minute round, maybe two minutes of that round. So... Not too bad, I guess. Okay, so not not twenty five minutes, not twenty five minutes with a world class striker. Like <laughs> no, I, Adam, I'm not uh, on Joel uh, Romero's level. Thank you for pointing that out. Okay, right. I just want to make sure that we're not directly comparing ourselves to no. world class fighters here. Uh, Forty years old. That, that's fine. Well, and again, I'm also forty, not human. Uh, I will not be fighting out of Sunday either. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's a really I like the matchup. But and as far as the the buildup goes, first of all, was, that last press conference was weird in that you know Adesanya was there and you know Romero was kind of beefed in. It was a, it was a whole bizarre kind of a setup. And then uh, Adesanya certainly gets in into hot water for his uh, you know his comment, as you mentioned the. The 9/11 reference of making him crumble like the towers on 9/11, which I, I didn't even understand why he went there. Uh, I don't get offended by things, so I, you know the uproar was uh, whatever it was. But you can, if you didn't like it, then cheer against him and hope that he loses his belt. I mean, that's that's how things work themselves out. Uh, and and a very interesting on the other title fight next week too, where we had kind of a similar issue where Wiley Zhang had to flee China to get out of 
uh, you know, potentially being exposed to coronavirus and uh, move her training camp elsewhere uh, because there was concerns about that. And then, you know, Ioana Janjacek, who's fighting her, makes a uh, a meme or somebody makes a meme and she posted on her Instagram page uh, where, you know, she's wearing like a gas mask to protect herself from Wiley Zhang. So uh, kind of offensive comments have highlighted the buildup for both these fights. Uh, and, and I think once it gets here, it'll be much more about the fight. Uh, this this week is going to be crazy in Las Vegas, so it might be buried locally here. Uh, but I think it's a pretty good card overall uh, that people are pretty excited about with two title fights coming up next week and some some up and coming stars on the on the card as well. Uh, it should be fun and uh, should get a chance to you know get a lot of uh, you know a lot of exposure to these guys around town if people are uh, are out and about and uh, want to see some of these events. Yeah, it's crazy because like the whole like you mentioned about Wei Zhang and how she came out here, but it was not just a direct like I'm leaving China and I'm getting uh, to Las Vegas because I think she wanted to come initially to the Performance Institute and just come direct here. But then uh, along the way, there were appointments that had to happen with her, her visa appointment for the U.S. and then in Beijing and then it got delayed and then she ended up training in Thailand um, because like flights for for uh, her to get from China to the U.S. had been suspended. There was all kinds of things that had happened for her to be able to get out here. She, I think, even went through Abu Dhabi at some point um, after Thailand to try to get a flight to get into Vegas. So, I mean, all of the things that she's had to deal with, I don't want to say it's been a distraction, but I think at some point uh, it, it will be. I mean, she's still got family there. There's a lot of people fighting the virus that she knows, that her mother knows, um, that nurses and doctors. This is um, something that I have been reading uh, from an interview that she had with, um, I think it was on ESPN, that um, basically when like she called her mother, her mother was upset. Um, her mother was telling her that the nurses and doctors didn't have time to sleep and that uh, she was really thankful that her daughter was able to get out. So, I mean, there's just a lot, I think, emotionally that she's going to go through in the lead up to this, just trying to get through the escaping the coronavirus outbreak in China and then getting here to Vegas. It wasn't exactly like she just hopped on a, a direct flight and got here. It was like almost a month, I think, of time that had passed from her trying to get out to get here. So that'll be interesting to see how she overcomes all of that during this fight week and all the, the pressure, the questions. This is something that she she really hasn't dealt with before with everybody, you know, being a champ is a whole different experience, I think, with the media than it is uh, when you're just a main event for any other fight. So I think for her, this will be a much different experience. And Joanna's kind of already been through all of that. So she knows what to expect. And she also will have a lot to answer for, like you said, when I'm sure the media gets to her and starts asking her, what was she thinking, uh, putting up that meme on social media, I mean, um, I think there's just some things like a lot of people do get overly sensitive about, but I think it, you shouldn't really joke about uh, a pandemic that's sweeping um, not just China as a nation, but other places as well now. I mean, this thing is spreading like wildfire. We should say they, they both did. They both did apologize yeah. too. We should we should be clear about that. It's not like they're out there like you know taunting and saying like yeah I don't care. They, they both apologized, and I'm sure they'll be asked more about it next week. And 
uh, we'll, we'll have to hear their answers and how prepared they are to answer those questions, but we'll definitely hear about as it. As long as nobody comes out in a 45-pound costume that gasses them um, and they, <laughs> they blame it on not, uh. that, that's the reason they weren't able to fight. Um, <laughs> that, that coming out, of course, of Deontay Wilder's camp after uh, he lost to Fury. You know, um, you know he locked his uh, cornerman out of the locker room? Uh, I didn't see that one yet. They, no. they said that they found the corner guy outside crying outside of the locker room and that Deontay Wilder did not allow him to go back in. Oh, what a mess. <laughs> so uh, I, I, that's one thing I'm glad about. I mean, sometimes I wish there was more pageantry in the UFC walkouts, but other times I'm glad there's not. Like this is a, a prime example of why I'm glad that the UFC does not have these kind of grandiose entrances. Um, although anybody that comes out on a throne that's raised up on some people's shoulders that look like, you know, they were Grace Jones and Mad Max or something. <laughs> I mean, that, that was kind of cool. So. I thought the costume looked cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But uh, that'll do it here for the RJ Ringside episode this week. And we'll be back plenty of times uh, next week. We're going to have a, a few like updates for you from Fight Week. We're going to talk and give a preview of UFC 248 after we've been able to speak with some of these fighters. We're going to have audio for you from people involved in the main and co-main. So you guys are going to want to keep it tuned here to the RJ Ringside podcast. Again, you can check all of this out on ReviewJournal.com slash podcast, and they're all free. So make sure to subscribe. Check Adam out on Twitter at AdamHillLVRJ. Larry is at Larry Mir, and I am at Heidi Fang. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. <laughs>